0: This episode is made possible by our generous patrons.
1: Welcome to episode 119 of the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm James and I'm Luke and this week we discuss Dr. Seuss's 1957 children's book How the Grinch Stole Christmas and the 2000 Ron Howard film of the same name okay happy holidays everyone Um, Christmas time around here whatever you celebrate Hanukkah Kwanzaa happy all of those things Um, yeah how's everybody doing how are you doing I guess I guess (laughs) you guys can't respond back so I don't know why I (laughs) said (laughs) <laughs> well, they can. You just can't hear them, yeah. uh, but you can get you. Maybe you could
0: feel their energy as everyone's yeah. having uh, hopefully a good holiday. Holiday. Yeah, tier. I'm doing well. Um, feeling festive. I got some some Christmas lights strung up behind me for this recording, so we can we can get in the mood. Um, you know, we are a non-denominational podcast. You know, we welcome people who who celebrate whatever or don't celebrate anything. If it's any consolation, I personally celebrate sort of a uh more pagan version of christmas much like the who's of whoville who i noticed also have zero uh christian iconography in their christmas decorations i don't know if you picked that up
1: oh yeah i thought for a second i thought you were gonna say in general like all of these projects and i was like i picked up some pretty heavy biblical uh <laughs> stuff in the in the 2000 film but we'll talk about it
0: really okay yeah maybe there's some in the 2000 film i i I guess I wasn't looking as closely.
1: Just to throw it out there, it's the, they're referring to the the good book a whole lot, and I just assumed that that oh, was kind of. Oh, but in... it's the good
0: book of like the Who's or yes, whatever. But, but yeah, it just you're like, right. Seems it like that a, could be like a... an allegory. Yeah, sure, sure. That's a good point. Yeah, and that's not in the other versions. So we should say we uh, we we read the book, um, which was a quick, easy read children's book. Then we watched the nineteen sixty six original animated uh, film, as like a television film. Um, that uh, was on our poll. It didn't win, but uh, we wanted to go ahead and watch that because it seemed to have a lot of important history for this project. And then we watched the 2000 uh, Jim Carrey, Ron Howard film, which was pretty bonkers, um, which I had never <laughs> seen before. So I'm excited to get into that when we get there.
1: Yeah, I knew you were going to feel that way because it's just like, it's It's quite a movie. It is. It's it really something. is.
0: Um, this also gave me an opportunity to really delve into Dr.
1: Seuss in his biography and I got a bunch of like fun facts for you I'm going to hit you with. Yeah, I don't know much so I really want to get some juicy details. All I've heard is that like he's maybe not the best person. Um and I don't even know why. I just it's just something really? I heard. Yeah, I thought there's something interesting.
0: Like... I there's only like one thing I can think of that might that I that I found that might uh might back that up. But the majority of the stuff is it would would not seem to go that way. So. Okay. Definitely a weird guy, <laughs> as you probably could guess mm-hmm. from, from uh, his art. But uh, yeah, no, I, it'll be interesting. We'll get into that. I guess before we really get into anything, I do want to do a couple of announcements for the podcast, some, some bookkeeping type stuff. Um, first off, uh, we are going to be recording a bonus episode very soon for the uh, Watchmen HBO series. Um it's not gonna be a real deep dive um because we're just doing a one-off bonus, but it is gonna be our reactions to the show. It just finished. I don't know when you're listening to this, but if you listened to it recently, the show just wrapped up and we have thoughts, you know, we wanna have a we wanna take a chance to share them. Um so if you're not a patron already, definitely check out our Patreon if you wanna get access to that. That'll be coming out probably pretty soon. I don't know, the next few days. Um And we are also going to be doing our Last Looks 2019. Uh that's gonna be our next episode. However, um, well, for those of you who don't know, it's sort of a look back at the year that was. We're gonna look back at all of our projects that we covered in 2019, uh, books and films and TV, and we're usually we usually list like what our favorite, what standouts were, what our least favorites were, um, stuff like that, just to kind of grab bag of different topics. Um, it's a nice kind of relaxed fit episode that we like to end the year with. Um, it's not going to be coming out, however, next Thursday like usual it'll be coming out a little closer to the 31st um we're not sure exactly what day we're gonna get it out but yeah don't look for that on Thursday it'll be a little bit delayed uh, basically because I'm flying to Florida and we're gonna be really really busy for a little while and it's and it's probably not gonna come out until I get back um so anyway just look for that a little later um and then the only other housekeeping note I have I had a uh, short story that recently got published um it was in a Portland magazine called the Buckman Journal um, it's Buckman Journal issues uh, three. Um, they are a local literary magazine in the Portland area that they, they publish Portland writers and they use like Portland artists to pair with the writers and like have a bunch of cool art in the book. It's a really nice looking magazine um, only available in physical copy. You can't get an ebook, but uh, yeah, there you can find them online. If anyone's interested, uh, my story is sort of a cosmic horror
1: thing that um, I'm excited about and hopefully people will read. Congratulations, man. I, uh, I'm excited to read it. I'm going in very dark because I've, I haven't wanted any details. I want to just go in and read it uh, right fresh and just not know anything. So I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, I did see some photos, I will say, of sort of the typography and like some of the images that went along with your story that looked really, really freaking cool. So congrats. Yeah,
0: man. yeah I was very glad uh, when I saw how it turned out because it looks great. And uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, people, if they're curious about it, can check that out. But let's get into How the Grinch Skulled Christmas and Dr. Seuss. I want to first mm-hmm. start out by asking you what your relationship is to Dr. Seuss in the books um, or the or the cartoons or any of that growing up. Was he a big uh, influence? Did you read
1: a lot of that stuff or was that something you kind of missed? I, I don't think there's any way that you can miss Dr. Seuss, like the cat in the hat stuff. I just think that it's it's ever present um so like i didn't miss it but i wasn't like it wasn't like the only thing i would read or anything like that you know like it wasn't uh, a situation where like i had every single dr seuss book on my bookshelf or anything like that but Mm -hmm. i definitely you know like green eggs and ham i think everyone knows and has seen um typically some of the first books you ever read you know that's kind of what they're designed to be right right um redfish bluefish pops into my mind i don't know if that's Mm -hmm. a book itself or if that's like a part from one of his stories but I think so. He has over 60 children's books, uh, mm-hmm. as far
0: as I know. So I think that is one of them.
1: I really quickly wanted to ask you just like, it, it, there's something about the sameness of his stories. They're like, they, they're they always very weird. But at the same time, they're, I mean, they're children's novels. So I guess it's to be expected. But did you do you think that there's something? I, I don't know, I'll be interested to hear kind of about the guy and everything. Because I feel like you could look at it cynically and be like, "Well, it's kind of the same thing over and over, just like slightly different." And the rhymes are cool and interesting, and that's kind of what hooks you into it in the in the artwork. But I feel like a lot of them blend together because they're so similar to me. But maybe it's just because I'm not I am not as steeped in Doctor mm-hmm. Seuss lore as I should be.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't really heard that, but I mean, I think it's true. Um, but on the other hand, you could say that he has a such a unique style. Um, that people have tried to emulate and failed. You know what I mean? like he, mm-hmm. he, he is so quintessentially Dr. Seuss, and it's iconic at this point that if you have this iconic style and you're and he's literally selling millions and millions of copies of these books, like he's gonna stick with it. you know what I mean yeah. um, Well, I mean, I
1: guess so, and, and like that's not to say that I don't think the guy's a genius. like clearly I, he's doing the artwork as well, yes or no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, so like the guys absolutely like unfathomably creative you know like he's like you see his images and stuff which brings up the did did i was i don't know about your copy of how the grinch stole christmas but was yours Uh in black and white
0: yeah yeah that's the that's it's black and
1: white with some red it has some red yeah yeah that's exactly what i read so did that bring to mind um scary stories to tell in the dark for you <laughs> uh no it didn't it didn't it, but i can see how it might it totally did for me a lot of it see, like <laughs> looked very like i don't know it's like the sort of stringy art that he has that's like uh i don't know spindly yeah. and is like it, and It like reminded the,
0: you of a uh, david gamel is that his name or stephen Gammel. stephen Gamble. I don't i'm know. not sure one but of the yeah.
1: two <laughs> yeah i don't know it's just like that that reminded me and maybe the shading like a lot of dark shading and everything like that
0: well, for me, uh, Dr. Seuss was definitely very big for me growing up. Um, okay. I my favorite book of his was a book called "There's a Wocket in My Pocket." Oh yeah, I'm John, familiar. did you ever read yeah. that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why, because I went back, I went back and read it. Cause, uh, you know, when we were covering this, because I was curious, and it's okay. It doesn't really stand out as like why was this my favorite.
1: I don't know. It's just a nice rhyme. It just gets it, so stuck it, it in your head. It was nice
0: little like word games almost, right? And I liked that, and it was playful. Um, I definitely read Yertle of the Turtle and you know all the ones you've mentioned and and many others. Um, I don't I didn't read all of them because I was looking at the list. There's there's a lot, um, but I definitely hit a lot of the big ones. And I liked I liked his stuff. And I think it was kind of a phase that eventually I kind of outgrew it and stopped reading it. But for a while when I was you know that target audience that target age, um, Doctor Seuss was very big for me. And I do remember watching the Christmas specials and specifically how the Grinch sold Christmas um, growing up because it's been on the air every year um, for for many, many years now. Basically, you know, right after it first started airing. And uh, I think it's an iconic thing that a lot of people grew up with. Um, So I'm glad that we're going to cover that a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely caught that growing up that and like the um, Frosty the Snowman sort of claymation thing that they have. The, there's yeah. like all those christmas like animated uh, film things that come yeah, on yeah that's not dr year. seuss but yeah no. but it's mean. just like that that sort of christmas i'm sure there's like right. a charlie brown christmas yeah yeah, oh, yeah they the would charlie play like a
0: bunch of those in a row right yeah. on certain channels and you just right. put it on in the christmas time and just have it on in the background yeah and, rudolph yeah. i know there's a
1: rudolph one there's so many absolutely
0: all right man are you ready to get into it are we ready to talk about the grinch aka an atheist communist vegan with a heart condition and poor insulation in his home <laughs>
1: is, that, is that your interpretation of it
0: <laughs> that was my uh modern adult uh yeah eyes looking at it um i can i can defend each of those each of those claims that's awesome
1: <laughs> Re- so, uh, recited
0: again what, what do we got uh the grinch an atheist communist uh-huh. vegan with a heart condition and poor insulation in his home how is he a communist <laughs> why, uh, why is he a communist <laughs> Because he is very anti-consumerism. The consumerism oh, okay. of I Christmas bothers him. It. Okay. He does not like Christmas being bought in a store. He thinks it's all about the presents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a total communist. Well, and until a, the end, and he's a vegan because he doesn't like roast beast. That's my that's my only real uh, <laughs> real way I can defend that. But he never eats it. He, he, he cuts, cuts it, it at the end, but yeah. he never eats it. Um, so he's just he's kind of being he's 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 bending a little and he's cutting it out for people, but he's not eating it himself. And, um, yeah, I went with Atheist because, you know, doesn't celebrate Christmas. Maybe that has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe he just doesn't, doesn't like, you know, religious celebrations of any kind. (laughs) Obviously the guy has a heart condition, right? Like if your heart's three sizes too small or whatever, like you're in trouble and then it's going to expand rapidly. It's, it's all bad. He's got swelling feet that make his shoes too tight, that's probably a symptom of his heart condition. Right. Isn't that diabetes-related? Like, there's something with his Yeah, probably, yeah. man. Yeah, maybe he's diabetic. Yeah. Tack that on there, too. Yeah. Um, I felt kind of bad for the guy, honestly, until he did... There are some things he does to make sure that you, you view him as a villain, but... I'm not a huge fan um, of the
1: dog, of how he treats his dogs, but... Oh,
0: yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah. Max uh, Max gets uh, some rough treatment. So, let me tell you about Theodore Seuss Geisel. He is an American children's author, political cartoonist, illustrator, poet, animator, screenwriter, and filmmaker. He is known for his work writing and illustrating more than 60 books under the pen name Dr. Seuss. His work includes many of the most popular children's books of all time, selling over 600 million copies, and being translated into more than 20 languages by the time of his death. He was born in 1904 and died in 1991. Um, and yeah I mean the guy i I learned a bunch of fun facts about him honestly, and uh i'm ready i'm excited to get into him, and I guess I'll just have you kind of react to each one yeah because very fun yeah, let me give you one now uh Yertle the turtle uh is a story about his feelings about authoritarian rule and fascism and the dangers of it nice
1: okay, so if he's if he's def- if he's threading in these sort of allegories and maybe I need to uh come back on some of the stuff I said earlier. I I didn't really I didn't really put it through any sort of lens like that if he was actually yeah. st- trying to make political commentaries and things like that.
0: Yeah. I should probably have ordered these in some sort of chronological order to give you a view of his life cuz your little turtles written a little later. He so one of the other fun facts is that he served he, he sort of worked with the military. I don't know if he officially served, but he was in a division of the military that was that made US propaganda films about the Axis powers. And while he was there, he met Chuck Jones, the animator who would go on later to do How the Grinch Stole Christmas with him, uh, who is the guy who is the creator of Looney Tunes.
1: That's crazy. That's awesome. together,
0: they worked in the propaganda division of like the military making anti-Axis power propaganda films, which he actually won like a bunch of awards for, the one
1: that he made. Wow. I mean, what's crazy is that there's tons out there about the Looney Tunes in general and like the, the sort of impact that the looney tunes have had and and like the way that that animation was I don't know and that that has been become iconic on its own and like for those two to come together and work on something like This is crazy and for them to have done propaganda films in general like that's I mean, maybe that says something about the sort of animation that the looney tunes was going for and stuff Like I I wonder if it like i'm sure there's tons tons baked into a lot of that seemingly more childish uh, content
0: well, and I think the movies were live action, but I, I don't quote me on that. I'm not certain. I, mm-hmm. I saw some clips in some of the videos I watched, but I'm not sure if they were just showing random clips or if they were showing actual clips of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I wasn't clear, um, but it looked, it appeared to be live action. Um, so spe- <laughs> speaking of live action, he also made a movie. Uh, Doctor Seuss cre- wrote and uh, directed his own film. It is called The Five Thousand Fingers of Doctor T. And it was a bizarre film that came out and was panned. Um, everyone hated it. He considered it a personal failure and dis- vowed to never make another film. Um, it is now celebrated as a bizarre cult classic. Which mm-hmm. probably doesn't surprise you? I thought you were going to be like, uh, it is
1: now part of the Criterion Collection or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: no, it's a it's a movie about a kid who falls asleep during a piano recital or lesson. And he has a nightmare about being trapped in a world with this like evil doctor who has like hundreds of kids who are like enslaved, and they each have to play a certain key on a on a keyboard, and it's bizarre. where there's weird costumes that everyone's wear everyone wears, and the acting is really crazy and over the top. Oof. Really weird film is as bizarre as it sounds. It is that bizarre, and I kind of want to see it now. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could do it as a bonus episode. That would actually that would be, be crazy. Fun. Yeah, I'd be down. <laughs> i mean apparently it's bad but it, it would be fun just to see that i think mm-hmm. um and uh apparently sideshow bob um is actually named after i forget what it is but like the dr t um it's short for something like theodore or something that is apparently also part of sideshow bob's name and it was like an inspiration from the simpsons Wow. uh who were re- specifically referencing this movie
1: yeah that's crazy the uh yeah. The Simpsons go deep. If you look, if you want some deep cut film cuts, like they just like always have done it, and they're like, they're, they're horror episodes. They're uh, what's it called, Treehouse of Horror stuff? Have you ever watched yeah. any of those? Oh yeah, Dude, oh, amazing I those yeah. stuff. Yeah, I are great.
0: Yeah, those were my favorite. Lot of my, I wasn't huge into The Simpsons, but I always caught those. Like that was a must watch. And I'm talking like in the 90s when you know The Simpsons was at its heyday. Although I've heard people say it's like come back. I don't know. I haven't. I just haven't checked it out much recently. Anyway. Um, you ready for another fact? Yes. So Dr. Seuss basically invented the word nerd. It wow. first appeared in his book called If I Ran the Zoo. And when a, within a year of its publication, it was it began being used as a slang for someone who's a square. Wow. I feel like I'd heard that before,
1: but totally forgot. That's, that's yeah. so weird. He had a
0: creature. It was called like a nerd. And it was like in the zoo. It, wow. was, it was in like a list He's like of Shakespeare.
1: Creatures. He like creates words, right?
0: Well, speaking of that, uh, the Grinch. Um, a Grinch to mean a person who is anti-Christmas mm-hmm. literally comes from this book. It was yeah. not used that way before he. Now he actually used the word Grinch um, in two previous uh, works of his, mm-hmm. but I think that this is what popularized it. Wow. Um, but yeah, that that term was did not mean that before Dr. Seuss. Came well,
1: I fi- I kind of figured that one, but it, you know what I am interested in is this sort of. Uh, connected universe that he has built up like i want to like does he have like a (laughs) stephen king or like a marvel cinematic universe of built up material where everything crosses over and it's all part of the same thing i've heard
0: that i've heard that uh some of his some of his animated movies i believe and some of the modern takes reference other other dr seuss projects but i don't know how much of that was like in the actual books themselves Mm -hmm. um i'm not certain about that but yeah it would be cool if that was true so green eggs and ham I'm, just, I'm going right into another fact. Go for right? it. Go for it. <laughs> Green Eggs and Ham is the fourth biggest selling English language book of all time, and he wrote it to win a bet with his publisher. His publisher bet him $50 to that he wouldn't be able to write a children's book using only 50 different words, um, and that's what he did. So
1: that's why it's so repetitive. That's why it's Green Eggs.
0: Yeah. No, I do not like Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah. There's only 50, bu- 50 words in the entire book. It's specifically designed to be teaching children how to read, you mm-hmm. know, when they don't know very many words at all. And it's supposed to teach you some vocabulary, nothing too difficult. It's about a bunch of simple words, you know. Wow. And uh, it, it was after the success of The Cat in the Hat, which I believe has, I, think, I didn't write it down, but I think it's like 150 different words, only 150 different words. And so the publisher was like, well, if you thought that was hard, I bet you can't do 50. <laughs> and he did. Wow.
1: <laughs> and the fourth biggest selling English language book of all time came out of that. That's pretty wild. wild. Right? And like, you have to assume like, that's, that is insane. That's got to be worth like, it's just an insane amount of money, right?
0: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, he was super wealthy. Like, after his books took off. Not not immediately. Um, so he actually started writing when he was pretty young. Um, I think a lot of his early books came out when he was, like, in his 20s. Um, but his his popularity really took off after World War II was over. Um, the 50s and 60s is where he really hit a stride and became very, very popular. Um, even before that, one of my other fun facts is that he wrote, he actually wrote a bizarre illustrated book for adults about the seven naked women Uh, who were called the seven lady godivas and the premise of the book was that they uh, were unable to marry until they warned men about the dangers of horses and it is according to the video i saw it is as bizarre and uh nonsensical as it sounds (laughs) And uh, he really struggled to. He he said he struggled to draw the women. Um, he didn't know how to. He didn't know where their knees went. He said, <laughs> and the, the pictures of the women are pretty pretty out there. Um, it's a weird book. I definitely look it up. It looks like Doctor Seuss, but they're, they're like naked women. So it's it's very odd. It's not like super obscene naked women, but. It, it, it is, you know, it's something else. Anyway, he says that uh, that was the last time he said it was a, he, that was a personal failure. And he said that after that, after that experience, he was never going to write for adults again. Quote, adults are obsolete children and to hell with them. <laughs> That's a <laughs> sick line. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was fun. And it's one of, one of his only books that is out of print. So yeah, there's a lot of fun facts about this guy. So uh, I, I'm going to go all the way back because this is kind of an origin story for him. Um, I, like I said, I didn't put these in order, so I'm kind of jumping around. But when he was young, during World War I, he was of German heritage. Like his father came, uh, migrated over and was, I think, a brewer. And he was in the Boy Scouts of America, and he was constantly being ridiculed for, for having German heritage because of World War I had broken out. And so there was this practice where the Boy Scouts would go around selling war bonds to help with the war effort and he sold $1,000 worth of war bonds to his grandfather um, in an attempt to show his patriotism.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Selling $1,000 worth of war bonds um, made him one of the top-selling scouts in um, the city. I forget what's, where this was. Um, and so the Boy Scouts of America put on a big thing where they invited then-former President Theodore Roosevelt to give out medals to the highest-selling war bond selling boy scouts right so the top 10 highest selling uh boys came on stage stood in the line uh dr seuss who is not actually a doctor and and seuss is his middle name but regardless mm. he was at the end of the line uh they accidentally only gave roosevelt nine medals so he gave out nine medals and then when he got to dr seuss he looked him in the eye and said what is this boy doing here And the boy scout master came out apologized took him off stage. He never received a medal and it was a huge embarrassment that made him terrified of public speaking for the rest of his life.
1: Wow, that is insane. I thought it was gonna be a happy story. (laughs) that is no he he did all the any public appearances because of did he say he he said why is he here because of his german heritage? why is this boy here because of his german heritage or because he didn't know because he didn't have a he didn't have a a tenth medal medal. okay gotcha i was like a tenth medal so he thought
0: there was only going to be nine like he, he was under the impression that he had nine medals there was gonna be nine kids and then there was a tenth there and he didn't know why i mean he seems like he was kind of a dick about it yeah and then the boy scout leader didn't help and then he never received the medal and it was just this like huge embarrassing moment for him this, like, former president that everybody loved, you know, yelling at you, essentially. So, uh, first off, uh, a lot of his inspiration for his animals was his, fa- his, I think his father, maybe his grandfather, would take him to the zoo, and he would draw animals, like, to fill his time. He would just draw all the different animals in the zoo, and so he started inventing his own animals. He would, like, mix and match and pull different things, right? Um, as an adult, he got into the habit of creating taxidermied sculptures of animals, Because he had friends who like worked in taxidermy. Um, So he would take real animal parts and create these bizarre mixes between real animals and like wood and plaster and paint. And he would make these wall mountings that people said it looked like he went on a hunting expedition through his own stories. That is insane. That's so wild. And you should definitely check out pictures of them because they're pretty bizarre looking. Um, it's like real animal horns and stuff. It's like really weird. Is it apparently they filled. Or his... does it
1: seem creative?
0: Semi horrifying, definitely creative, definitely weird. Um they were on the walls in his like home and people would remark about how they were nightmarish when they would see them. Wow. <laughs> sometimes yeah, I gotta look um, that up. That's crazy. You can still buy apparently like remakes of them, like people like casted versions of them. You can are still available online. Wow. Pretty fun. Um, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna link one of the vi- one of the best videos I watched on this. Uh, I'll definitely link it, and maybe maybe I'll link two. I saw another one that was like really good about his biography, um, but one of them where a lot of these like a lot of these facts came from. They were really cool. So, one of the last books he wrote was a book called Oh the Places You'll Go. John, have you ever read that one? Yeah, but I I'm
1: familiar with that one.
0: Um, that was he wrote that as a very old man, and a lot of people look at that as a as a message, literally from like an old man to a younger generation. Wow. Um, and I think that's, I think it's poignant because at that point in his life, he was, he was single, his what his then wife, I don't know if it was his first or second wife. I think he had two wives, um, had committed suicide and it was as a result of him having apparently a very public affair. Um, so this is the only thing I could find that maybe would lead to what you've heard about him is apparently he had a, he had a very troubled home life. So I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if that's the kind of thing you thought you heard about him, but that, that's the only thing I can think of that was kind of a negative that I could find on the guy.
1: No, the the thing that I thought that I, and this is just, you know, me having heard something, but basically I, was, I just thought that he was like, I don't know, anti-Semitic or like racist or something like this. Something. I wonder if you but, maybe got mixed up with like a Walt Disney or something no, because no. I've never heard that about Dr. Seuss, but no. I have heard that about Disney. So I mean, I'm I assuming know. I was just I'm just mistaken. Obviously, it doesn't seem like that's that's in yeah. the cards here. But yeah, uh, unless I'm missing something that was
0: like omitted in all the research I did and, and there is something like that. I didn't find any of that gotcha um it's all you know so, how people
1: are though like i'm sure in the same way that people are like mr rogers is you know like a piece of shit deep down like he's there's a facade they? on yeah like like people lie <laughs> mr about rogers
0: kind of is an
1: angel <laughs> a non-denominational non-denominational angel <laughs> people will do anything to like bring people like that down though so i'm assuming it's probably mm-hmm. just something that somebody said about dr seuss and it just stuck in my brain yeah yeah maybe well get it out. Cause that's not true. It's, it's not true. Apparently <laughs>
0: unless someone writes San and tells us it is, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> um, anyway. Um, but speaking of his personal life, him and his wife were unable to have children. I think biologically unable to. And so he was famously had no kids yet. He was writing all these children's novels, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I think we also had that with, um, where the wild things are creator, right? Like he also didn't have Sendak any children, right? and, and Marie. Sendak. Yeah. Marie Sendak. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting that you have a couple of these, like, very prominent children's books writers who, who didn't have any children. Um, and But what he did, which is kind of weird, is uh, he invented a fiction. He invented actually several, but prominently one fictional child that he actually dedicated one of his books to. Um, her name was Chrysanthemum Pearl. And he had, like, an age for her. He had, like, likes and dislikes. He talked about how she could make this, like, mean stew and, like, all this stuff. Like, he, he would talk about her in public. Um, but she was completely fictional. Um, so people often theorize that he had this, like, deep sadness about it and maybe, maybe want, really did want to have children but couldn't. Um, so I don't know. There is maybe some,
1: some underlying sadness there potentially. I mean, it seems, I, I think that like if you look at somebody's career like that and, you're, and you find out about that information, I think there has to be some sort of connection.
0: Well, and speaking of that, I think that's a good way to transition into some more about the, about the Grinch in particular, where uh, it is said that a lot of people who look at it, and he even, I think, admitted to this um, at one point, uh, that the Grinch is based off of himself. Oh, And when he wrote it, he was 53 years old, which is the age of the Grinch in the story um he lived on uh a mountain um it was outside of a of a, of a of a like a i think a sub suburb in california i believe anyway it looked overlooked this like ritzy suburb and he was up on this mountain home um and like i said had no children so in the holidays he would probably feel this sort of grinchy attitude mm-hmm. um And I don't know, I just think it's interesting that apparently he kind of self inserted him into this into this book. Um, It's also the first uh, first book he wrote where the protagonist was both an adult and a villain or actually either an adult or a villain, Mm -hmm. both both in this one book, which actually is pretty interesting. You think about it like very
1: rare for that to be true. Yeah, I wonder what it what it says about the fact that at the end of the story the Grinch is you know reformed and like his heart grows three sizes or whatever and he's like you know he like he embraces Christmas and understands it's not about the gifts and all that kind of thing I wonder if that's him saying like that was a realization that he had and like a lesson obviously it's a lesson he wants to pass on but like something that he -hmm. he doesn't identify with the Grinch any longer but maybe he did at one point yeah I think so I think I think all of that is true so I want to get your thoughts
0: on this animated movie, and I'll hit you with one quick fact. Did you know that Boris Karloff, yeah, uh, you probably saw in the credits, yeah. that's pretty cool that he did the voice of the Grinch. So what you might not have known is that the guy who sings the song, There's a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, mm-hmm. is the same guy who voice, voiced uh, Tony the Tiger. No, From I the... definitely did not know that.
1: It's funny. Yeah. I, th- I assumed fun. that it was Boris. Nope. He doesn't sing, apparently. So they had to bring in somebody else to do it. Gotcha. I mean the my thoughts on on the animated film are just that it's very clearly iconic um, I look at I look at hand animation now like so differently than I used to uh, mm-hmm. and I just am, I'm just so blown away by it I, and I know that there's something like you know I think there's something imperfect about like hand drawn animation that is just like so missing in, in so much animation today. And, and that's uh, clearly animation is, is, is at an all time high with the sort of th- the feats that they can pull off. But uh, I don't know, there's something very classic and very like warm and homey about this uh, and right. the animation. I think it has something to do with it and the voices and just like the weird and like, like that moment where the Grinch smiles and like his hair Mm -hmm. curls and everything. And that's like, you can't recreate that. It's that, that was just (laughs) like some crazy moment that someone was able to draw that. Uh, and I don't know. It's, I I think it's an iconic movie. I don't, uh, I think because I'm so familiar with the story, I really wasn't that engaged is the only thing I, uh, you know, I think it, they sing. It's a, it's a lot of singing, so it's kind of a musical, uh, it, it it doesn't it's it's not it's short but it doesn't feel that short to me it kind of felt mm. um, longer than I thought it would
0: yeah I mean it's a children's movie um, so of course as adults we're probably gonna get a little bored mm-hmm. um, but you know I had fun trying to read into things uh, yeah. you know determining all the little things I could about the Grinch I think it's fun to think of him as Doctor Seuss himself right and and kind of yeah. view the world that way that's crazy, one of the things man. that I, I that I liked that about it was um, I started to realize that I believe Max the dog. It's a sort of a audience stand-in. And that's the role he fills for this throughout, right? Like, he's the, the one who is, like, scared of the stuff that the Grinch is doing. And um, he kind of has this, like, love hate relationship with the Grinch that I think kind of mimics our own where we want to like this guy but we also can tell that he's doing shit that isn't reprehensible um like you mentioned there is some some abusive uh behavior going on here that I feel like doesn't fly these days but I do yeah. know they should still air this thing I, so yeah um,
1: he is he is quite rough with that dog I cynically um looked at the like his treatment of Max as just like the easy way for a for you know a child or any audience member to just see like this is bad grinch and this is good grinch like when when max and and like whenever when the grinch is happy and everything's better uh you know he like pets max and embraces him and all these things and like you're Mm -hmm. just supposed to forget about all the beating that went on and all these other things but (laughs) yeah you know it's like i think it's a shorthand way of saying like bad grinch good grinch and like i don't know i just that's how i kept thinking of it
0: yeah i mean i think you're right on yeah, I mean, he's he's literally whipping him throughout, like viciously whipping him to make him pull the sleigh. Like I know it's a cartoon and it's all in fun, I guess, but it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty dark.
1: What did you think about his eyes changing color when he became good Grinch, by the way? Right, they turn blue. Yeah. Right. Is what does that mean? Yeah, Is it I just mean, like a signifier?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're they're people have pointed out they're bright red in the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um they're quite demonic. Um oh, speaking of, another little factoid. <laughs> um Chuck Jones, uh, creator of Looney Tunes, came up with the idea to make the Grinch green. He originally was not green. And uh, he apparently based it off of... There was a bunch of rental cars in the area that were... I guess green was a very popular color. And so he was like, we should make the Grinch green. That's what I saw. <laughs> wow. A weird reason, weird. but yeah. apparently that's why. I mean, it and was so, weird
1: to see. It was. I think that's another reason why I felt very like scary stories to tell in the dark. Because that black and white Grinch was really... A lot creepier than I remembered the Grinch being.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. So, yeah, I mean, we're gonna get into the story. I mean, I think we're all familiar with it, right? Like we've all we all know what happens in the Grinch. So, I don't think we need to g- really go through a plot synopsis. Um, but know that the book and the animated are, uh, version are very very similar. I think the only things they really add are some like. Uh, Action sequences, I guess for better, lack of a better word like there's a lot of like sleigh riding around and I consider some, it some, b-roll. Like, Oh, is it
1: gonna fall and yeah, what's that? I just said I consider it b-roll shots of like there's <laughs> moments where he's like playing with a train when he's like You know the trains like going into the bag and like yeah. when he's stealing all the things like yeah. they do like a little b-roll cut-in shots And
0: so speaking of that song, uh there's a couple parts where he calls them a different names I can't remember exactly which one it is, but there's a few of them that were censored in the original broadcast um, for, for years because it was considered too offensive for for a modern broadcast. I think it was even just like calling him mean, I think might have been censored.
1: You're a beep one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when he's standing over all of the Who children and he has this like big smile with yeah. all his crooked teeth? Yep. That, w- that whole scene was cut from the TV broadcast originally because so it was considered wild. too creepy. Crazy. It was pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was creepy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot less to say. I've given you lots of factoids. Oh, uh, speaking of the animation, uh, this was filmed at twenty four frames per second. Um, so they ended up having to produce way more uh, cells than was typical for animated uh, features at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that it was seventeen thousand hand drawn cells over the course of like six months were made for this Crazy. for this for like this twenty five minute thing.
1: And you, um, we talked about this a little bit with the Snow White stuff, but like the sort of, uh, when we covered Snow White a little bit ago, yeah. uh, the original Disney film, there's like the sort of like planes, the different planes of the animation where they're able to do like certain sweeping, zooming shots and going further mm-hmm. and moving things within planes and layering the shots and everything. Uh, and there was like, there was definitely some of that going on. So I, I it was something that I recognized from, because we talked about it so much in the Snow White coverage, uh, I mean, like I said, it's just like the, it's such a crazy amount of work for such a short film. And it just, it's just, and I understand why it's not done anymore. It's not quite the most efficient thing, but it does lead to, I don't know, it leads to a certain authenticity that I think. Um, and like, that's not the takeaway from animation today. Cause like I said, there's, they're clearly yeah. doing things that are like unbelievable that couldn't even be considered yeah. possible 20, 30 years ago. Um, but yeah. just there's something about like every once in a while I'm seeing like a hand drawn or
0: are there, is there any, is there anybody still doing hand drawn animated movies like that?
1: Well, I know like there was definitely some hand like that. That's the thing. Like, what do you consider hand drawn? Like drawn on paper, and then right. like and then like like or drawn like because well, I
0: know I know there's like uh, Leica who's doing the the models, Stop motion, animated, yeah. the three D models, but it yeah. feels like there's not a lot of two D. 2D... I mean, Future I would point to these days. I would
1: point like, to like Miyazaki and like in like the there anime that they do. Yeah, like, that's but, true. Like, but even so, it's, it's the digitally augmented. But like clearly, that's the reason why I feel the authenticity is there with something that Miyazaki yeah. does, anime um, yeah, and Studio right. Ghibli. But what I was saying with with the Grinch specifically here, every single cell, like there's no digital. You know, there's no such thing, and and I think it's just interesting. And like you mentioned, Leica. That's that's part of the reason why I appreciate them so much is because like. You know, there, there's some augmenting there as well, in the same way that something like Miyazaki does now. But the right. the painstaking hours and the meticulous nature of it, I think, just like it's it's like a I don't know, it's like an acrobatics act on top of making an entertaining film.
0: Right, and I should say I wasn't I I, I am aware there's tons of animated media out there like it's very popular i was specifically talking about like feature films right but you're right like miyazaki studio ghibli and, and some others um that's that's where it's coming from these days it seems like to me like you go see it in a theater kind of stuff yeah whereas i feel like there's just not that a lot of that happening anymore these days but i think i'm ready to get on to this movie man i'm gonna hand it over to you and i want you to tell me about this film i only saw a little bit here and there that would come up in some of these like fact videos i would watch mm-hmm. so i know a little bit but not a lot okay i'll be interested
1: to see to hear what you saw uh I'll just start by saying this this film was directed by Ron Howard and I think everyone in the world has seen a Ron Howard film, whether you realize it or not. <laughs> Um, seems like it I don't even know like I can't name
0: 10 or I can't even name like three or four Ron Howard movies but I also know that I've seen a bunch of them and as soon as you tell them to me yeah I'm no. gonna go like oh yeah, yeah you're yeah.
1: gonna everything that I say you're gonna have seen like I'll specifically pick the ones that everyone's seen and then you'll you'll okay. be like oh my god it's amazing so I, I wanted to start by saying like Ron Howard clearly a very iconic director at this point he's uh, I mean, I think the voice of a generation of filmmakers, he's he's that important, I think, to to mm-hmm. sort of a lot of these films. But at the same time, I think understated and kind of underrated. A lot of people don't, like, talk about him as much as you would expect. Um, hmm. He's an American film filmmaker and actor. He first came to prominence as a child actor, guest starring in several television series, including an episode of The Twilight Zone, which Ooh. I felt we should definitely mention. So, hey, I mean, that's a former project. former project. So, uh, he gained national attention for playing young Opie Taylor, the son of Sheriff Andy Taylor, right. played by Andy Griffith on in the sitcom The Andy Griffith Show. Um, so clearly that's where he got his major start. And and mm-hmm. it's really fascinating to see a child star go from acting into being this generational director that he is now Uh he was, Howard was cast in one of the lead roles in the coming of age film American Graffiti in 1973, which was, re, which received widespread acclaim and became one of the most profitable films of all time. Now, do you know, I've never
0: seen, I've never seen that movie, but I've heard of it.
1: Do you know why? I, I the, the thing that I think of whenever I think of American Graffiti, do you know what that is? No, I know. Okay. So American Graffiti was directed by George Lucas. And then who would go on to have this be one of the most profitable films of all time. And then would go on to basically have his opportunity to create star Wars. Okay. So, wow. Have you
0: seen American graffiti?
1: Yeah, I have. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a story about 1950s, like hot rods and diners and things like that. It's very like of that time. I, I think you'd like it. So just to speak to him as a director now, he's an Academy award winning filmmaker. Um, these are some of his critically acclaimed dramas and comedies and everything that he's done. Uh, we'll, st- we'll go chronologically. I'll just start naming them and I'll give you a second to react, but I'm just going to rattle a bunch off. Ready? Yeah. So the first one that sticks out to me is Willow, which is just like a Should classic. I say whether I've seen it or not? <laughs> uh, if you want to, yeah. But seen, I've seen that one. Okay, so it's been Willow. a long time though. Backdraft? Seen it. Apollo 13? Yes. How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Well, of course. A Beautiful Mind. Yes. Cinderella Man. Yep. The Da Vinci Code. Yes. Frost Nixon. No, I did not see that. Okay, that one's really good. Uh, now we're getting into some of this m- more recent stuff that you may or may not have seen. Rush. Mm-hmm. This is like a Formula One race car movie. No, I haven't seen that. Okay. Recently, in 2018, he directed Solo: A Star Wars Story, which kind of ranks like, links, it, links now, it back to that George Lucas thing. Did he? Was he the guy they brought in to fix it, or was he the original director? Oh, they, he was the one they brought in to fix it yeah he's the one they brought in okay. and and when I say fix loosely because like I've heard I've heard a lot of things about how that all went down and everything um right Lord and Miller Phil Lord and Chris Miller I believe is how, how they go Lord and Miller so they I think they were just going with some sort of like really bonkers I, I would have liked to have seen whatever they had just because I'd be interested to yeah. see like, how crazy too, how crazy was too crazy
0: I want to see the original rogue one before it you know i want to see the dark version of road one which will never probably see the light of day but i I would love to see it
1: totally yeah as much as i think that this is a a, a serviceable movie ant-man i would have loved to have seen edgar wright's ant-man if we're talking about movies that directors were changed pretty early on uh (laughs) anyway
0: well we're we're off on the weeds a little bit let's focus on the movie at hand um i i i heard that a lot of people like i don't have any real memories surrounding this movie because i never saw it Um, but I've heard a lot of people misremember this as being directed by Tim Burton and I can see why. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: I can see that. I, I, I didn't think that he directed it, but that's funny that I can totally see that this movie, this movie was huge for me. Like when I, when it came out, it was like the perfect time for me. Uh, I am admittedly a huge Jim Carrey fan and, and even a huge Ace Ventura fan, which is yeah. funny because like I can I can objectively look at those movies and understand why people won't like them but I watched yeah. Ace Ventura when I was a young kid when I was way too young to be watching it and uh I don't know man it's just it, I I found it funny then and like some of it I still find funny today um, yeah. and a lot of it is just from that charisma that that Jim Carrey just like spews this sort of comedic like it's like it's like slapstick but also like quick I I feel like he has that sort of um improvisational mind that i don't know has has gone on to create like your modern comedians and comedic movies and things like that um but admittedly he's a very 90s like version of that when did i don't know if you know off the top of your head but when did ace ventura come out oh i would say i mean in the 90s
0: yeah because i felt like this was very ace ventura yeah style yeah jim carrey it felt like the most ace ventura Outside of like, I guess Liar Liar is kind of like that too, but this is very like over the top, super hammy. Like I, I wrote down, like Jim Carrey at a thousand percent is in this movie. Like he is, he is just going for it, going for the craziest facial looks he could do um, through all that prosthetic, and and just I don't know. It's it's a, a wild performance. Um, I can see why this movie uh, really divides people because um, I mean story-wise, I think it's, it's solid. Um, but the look of it is kind of really unsettling, (laughs) um, and off-putting and I can see people seeing it and going like, Ooh, I do not like this. The prosthetics are, are, it's very uncanny Valley a lot of the time, right? Like it's like something is just off about this face and it doesn't help that some people have prosthetics and some people don't. And so then you start to like look for it and try and figure out why. And it's, it's, there's really no good explanation that I can see. Um, it's a bizarre looking film. It reminded me very much of um I even said like this is very Disney World. Like if you go to like a Dr. Seuss land in Disney um, it is Disney, right? That has a Dr. Seuss land. Um, I I'm not felt, sure. I think yeah, it's, it's universal, a, it actually. Very I'm pretty that. sure it's universal. Is it universal. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But it's very like going to an amusement park and going to a Dr. Seuss themed area. That's what it feels like you're in for this yeah. movie. You know what I mean? Well,
1: I mean, it, so much to talk about here. The prosthetics <laughs> are definitely bonkers, but I think, admittedly, like purposely, you know what I mean? Like they're supposed to look really. I mean. I don't know if you're saying that they look bad or if they just look like really weird, but like the drawings and everything about this world was supposed to be weird looking. Um yeah. which I admit, it does look weird, so, and I still so to this day the, will look at the noses and and like be like what it's just like something about <laughs> it is weird. The the uh the taxidermy heads uh, that he would do on his walls,
0: mm-hmm. they looked like something from this movie. Yeah. So it's totally. it's in keeping with his like if you take like his 2D cartoons that are like sort of fun and loving and 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 i don't know like weird but exciting and interesting and you put them into 3d it gets
1: weird it gets bizarre in a hurry and that's what happens in this movie (laughs) yeah like at the end of the day do i think that this is do i recommend this movie to people is it like this amazing movie i don't know if you're looking for something a little like more broadly appealing i'd go with like an elf or something like that for a christmas movie uh, okay. For like a comedic Christmas movie, um, I'm not a big Will Ferrell guy, but but uh, I've heard that movie's good. I, I don't think I've even seen that. Wow, that's pretty surprising. I'm, I'm surprised I, I, you don't I'm, like Christmas movies. Apparently, you, don't, you haven't seen I this d- one. Or I L. mean, other
0: than Die Hard, I mean, yeah, that's my favorite Christmas. I watch that every <laughs> year, but we gotta we're gonna have to watch that soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't. I mean, Home Alone, like yeah, which yeah. is Die Hard for children. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, I have a formula like. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, This world though I mean this world is insane the the production the production design of the world like the actual they had to create all these phones and all these weird things and all these moments like where they have like compacting machines it was impressive and like like, uh, you know like the the gun that shoots the lights and like all these crazy things like a lot of this is like it like a lot of this is practical so (laughs) I am super
0: not the person to make this observation but it felt like they were having a moment during that scene the wives Yeah. Like, I felt big, like, lesbian energy going on during that. It was, it was like, it was something else. I don't know. Go back and watch that scene. First off, very, there's a lot of weird sexual stuff that goes on in this movie for a kid's movie. I was shocked. (laughs) I was,
1: the thing that I immediately was thinking about was like, I was like, all right, so Luke is coming into this for the first time. I'm and I'm just gonna try to like watch it as like a fresh eyes, first time viewing. And I was like, there's mm-hmm. so much innuendo. There's so much like like this is for the parents and the kids are gonna laugh and not understand why they're laughing. Uh, that right. this whole movie is that, uh, and that whole subplot with like the the girl, the neighbor that the Grinch loves and always has, and part of the reason yeah, why Martha, he became, I think, he's is her name. Martha, and She's yeah.
0: the one that like it's like very sexualized throughout. She's kind of the trophy that he wins at the end. In, in sort of a you know kind of problematic way and he's
1: a creep he's a creep towards her even after she's like yeah i like him and it's like oh yeah
0: creepy and weird yeah so anyway that goes on there's a point where he like lands with his face in her cleavage and then says hi martha from her cleavage which <laughs> that was fine in the year 2000 i guess
1: yeah. i don't think it was actually <laughs> the uh i did want to go back to that gun that sort of like light shooting yeah l- a gun it's like they, a strap-on they shot the- <laughs> Did not think you'd say that, you but it. so the uh <laughs> they uh in order to shoot that scene, um, they had the device pulling lights off of the off of the roof and then they played it back uh, in reverse in order to make it look like it was shooting sense. it onto the roof, which I don't know, okay. from a fun little production thing. Apparently this, this was the largest set that Universal had created up to this point, like this Whoville set. And everything that's in it and all the stuff we see it's just impressive like uh, 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 like the scale of it and like how deeply they they paid attention to all of these details and every little they hoot up every every real world thing they hooted up and made it very mm-hmm. of the world uh can we talk about the trope am I, I don't know if this has a literary name or anything or just in mm-hmm. general does if this has a name but what's the trope of like a small world being inside of something that's small in our world you know what i mean oh, like it, it's yeah it's like that's like a trope that like how many times does that need i think it's super uh worn out at this point but like that's always a thing that people yeah. do and this was one of them and i think i can think of like men in black as one um, yeah
0: sure that's a very famous one yeah uh there's there's a few i think there's there's i can't remember there's one where like it's like they're in a snow globe the whole time right or something yeah like, that famously. sounds familiar I can't which. yeah yeah i don't know them all there are a few of those kind of things i i i don't it probably has a name if you go to like TVTropes.com dot com or something, but I don't think it has like a very well known name. But it's like some sort of world within a within a, an object or something. Yeah, what do you think um, about it? I think it's it? fun. I I, yeah. think, I think it um I'm I, it's funny because I'm I'm currently writing a story that is kind of like that but different. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like anytime you have a trope, like you can you can take um certain ideas and um invert them or or play with them. And, and I guess my story is really not like that in that sense because it's more about uh, characters who have worlds inside their heads. Okay. Um which is kind of the opposite of that.
1: Like that sounds the cool. Characters are on the yeah.
0: outside of the world. I don't know. Um so it's a little different, but like it feels kind of like a, a kinship there. So I like the idea of playing with that kind of space though, mm-hmm. right? Like something small inside something larger and it's like a surprising but I think what you're specifically disliking is probably the reveal of it
1: like like oh this big reveal look they're actually in this where well they yeah, didn't even like, do that in y- this one know. they it was the opening shot but it, again they pulled out at the end to show that it was innocent but but like the, the idea it was, behind it, it i think is just like they're like uh, what's the, for me it's like what's the point of that specifically doing it at the end or the reveal or whatever of it is to be yeah. like it was all a small it's thing just being playful time, man yeah. like it's, it's like,
0: like ooh, it, what it what's in every snowflake if that's in that one you know like there's all these worlds we can't see and you know if you think about like microbes and stuff that is kind of true so um I, I think it's kind of fun but i can see why you would say it's overdone um and i think it's it's all about how it's handled and like if you're trying to see something new with it versus just doing it for like a weird twist
1: yeah so so a couple of things i want to talk about uh one being sir anthony hopkins recorded all the narration for this movie did you realize that, that was anthony hopkins I did hear that as a fact later. Uh-huh. At the time, I wrote down, who the fuck
0: is the narrator? Because he is super familiar, and I couldn't place him. Um, I, and then when I heard it was Anthony, I was like, of course, I don't know why I didn't place him, because like, he has such an iconic voice. But
1: Pretty cool. Apparently, he recorded all of the lines in a single day. That's I believe I it. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for him. Fat paycheck <laughs> for a day's work. Uh, yep. So let's talk about Jim Carrey more, um, and specifically yeah. the suit. The uh, he had to wear prosthetic contacts that that were like his entire eye because they're entirely yellow Um, and they were like highly uncomfortable and he he hated it and the entire suit apparently was highly uncomfortable and hot and just like miserable and Jim Carrey just like he just put up with it and he just was like i have to do what i have to do for the movie oh and, and there's also a ton of makeup to to mention as well tons of makeup tons of prosthetics Absolutely. tons of suit the, the the contacts everything but so this is a funny story about that uh ron howard was so thankful to jim carrey that he uh decided he was going to wear the suit himself for a day and i guess jim carrey got to set and like saw this person and thought that it was I saw ron howard in the grinch costume thinking it was his stunt double and apparently mm-hmm. he was upset because he was like this guy looks nothing like me thinking he was his stunt double <laughs> so it's like uh i don't know i guess that just speaks to That's the funny. sort of like relationship that they had and like the fact that he was willing to put it on and deal with it he directed an yeah. entire day of filming with the suit on wow uh so i mean so
0: so i saw the, the little fact what i saw about the suit was that they had a uh, former Navy SEAL on set to coach Jim Carrey on methods used to endure torture. Yeah, I'd heard about that. In order yeah. to
1: put up with, with, this, with the pain of the suit, apparently, and the discomfort of the suit. Horrifically. I'm sure it was absolute torture. I can't even... I, I don't think I could have done it, personally. I, no,
0: dude. I get um I get super claustrophobic about like certain things, and I think that, like the inability to like take it off.
1: Right. Well, you can take it off. And that, that's the thing. Like I, you that's can't think you can't take it off. You can't take it off throughout the day, but I would freak out and rip it off my face. Like I couldn't exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't do yeah. it,
0: man. It would be wild. Yeah. And, and honestly, like it looked pretty good, but I think it made the mistake that you sometimes see where it's like, you're putting too much on your actor's face. So you can't see the work they're doing. Cause there was so often where I felt like I really wanted to see what was going on with Jim Carrey's expressions but it was kind of masked and all you could really see was like the mouth and the eyes, but like a lot of what was going on with his cheeks and stuff were completely obscured. So I don't know. I was kind of
1: mixed on how it looked, I guess. So, I mean, in terms of like a comedian and, and the ad libbing that went on, you can very much see a lot of the, the moments that are like Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey in this film. Uh, apparently there's a moment where you, kn- you know, the moment where he rips the, the blanket or whatever that he's going to use as like a kilt. He like rips it from the table and nothing moves. And he goes back mm-hmm. over and knocks it all over. Apparently, he that was like an accident. Everything was supposed to fall over when he pulled it. And he pulled it and nothing moved. And then he like went back into frame and knocked it all over. And, <laughs> and like that was like an ad lib moment, which I don't know. It's like sort of like a physical comedy moment. And yeah, it, it just it felt like there was references to Ace Ventura, but I haven't seen it in so long.
0: I can't remember. Or like other Jim Carrey movies. It seemed like he was like quoting himself at times or something. Like I don't know. There was at least one or two times where that stood out to me
1: yeah i feel like there were moments where they were just like jim carried up jim carried up do it do it go bigger go bigger exactly go bigger.
0: like this was in the height of jim Carrey mania so he was like referencing other movies and stuff yeah i did write down at one point i was like is this a movie or a fucking fever dream yeah
1: <laughs> i I, I, th- I, th- I think that's ultimately like part of why i enjoy it um
0: yeah no and like it wasn't like a bad thing like in, in fact it's kind of a good thing but it It is a weird thing for sure. Yeah, for me,
1: at the end of the day, like you know, how many how many forgettable Christmas movies, how many forgettable kids movies are out there? But like this is just like it's interesting. Like it's like it's gonna it's gonna make an impression because it's like unique. And uh, I don't know. I I I, to this day kind of stand by the fact that it's still fun. Oh, I just found something in my notes that I should have mentioned earlier. But you you uh, we're talking about Tim Burton. Apparently, for for a while, Tim Burton was considered to direct this. So, yeah, maybe that has something like maybe he was working on it at some point and Mm. there's some little Tim Burton touches or something like that. But um, I I mean, it's very
0: Seuss, though, uh, is the look.
1: You know what I mean? I think it's just that that Tim Burton and I
0: bet would say it would say that he was influenced by Dr. Seuss. I I can almost guarantee that. I believe it (laughs) just from the way that, you know, his stuff looks. Um, But I I think that's where the similarity comes from, because Seuss has those like everything's twisted and warped and rounded
1: and, you know, kind of off. And that's kinda of how Burton can often be. Now you're making me think of like Dr. Caligari, like like sort of like old German expressionism stuff that's like very much like playing <laughs> with like perspective and stuff, but then Nick, like, maybe that's I don't Seuss, know what that is, but Seuss may have cool. been may have been I mean, he's is didn't you say Seuss was German? Yeah. Maybe he was influenced by German expressionism. I mean, he maybe. would have been right around the time. It was right well, maybe not. I think it was a little it was probably like the thirties or so. Anyway. German Expressionism is like what le- what led to things like Dracula and like sort of like, you know, like when you see like over exaggerated cathedral shots and things like that are sh- very shadowed and all this kind of thing. I think we've talked about German Expressionism before when we would, like noir, like eventually noir mm. would be influenced by German Expressionism. Well, I, and
0: Was it when we were doing Fahrenheit
1: 451 maybe? I know we were mm. talking about some of that stuff. No, that was French New Wave stuff. But That's what it was. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Never mind. <laughs> I can't remember. We had to have talked about it at some point.
0: I have a couple other just random observations to this movie that, that I've got written down here that I might as well get in. Yeah, go for it. So first off, um, I thought it was funny that, that, uh, Jim Carrey's Grinch breaks the fourth wall a lot, reminiscent of a, maybe like a Deadpool or somebody, <laughs> you know, he like talks to the audience quite a bit, um, which I thought was kind of fun in this weird movie. You have him like turning and talking to the camera It felt very aware of the audience in that way, you know, like very kind of like it knows what it is. Um, There was a lot of lines that I feel like, even though I hadn't seen the movie, I've heard referenced a million times. And it's funny because you feel like they're Grinch quotes, but they're actually not like referencing any other version. It's like, I think they were new to this version. Um, And it was just, it was just a lot of stuff. I'd I'd heard a bunch. I got to ask you about
1: a certain moment. Did you, the, 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 the echo moment where he's like i'm an idiot it's like you're an idiot <laughs> yeah. did that get you're you You're an idiot yeah yeah it was kind of funny it's just like it's pretty funny man i i still to this I, day I, the first time i saw that when i was a kid i repeated it uh, endlessly
0: i was i that's when i wrote the thing about the fever dream because he was like he was sitting there eating glass and conversing with his own echo yeah and i was like this is a fucking weird movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, So, oh, so speaking of, I wrote on a specific. Isn't there like a, a a scene? Unless I'm, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but isn't there a scene in Ace Ventura where he does a conga line? I'm sure that just seems like a yeah, because he, he does do. a conga line here, and I was like, I've seen Ace Ventura do like a crazy over the top conga line before I in another movie, right. yeah, and I felt like that was a reference to that. Um, I, you know, it's interesting because they position the the Grinch here as like a victim of bullying, essentially, as his origin story, right? But it's all related to him shaving and being hairy and so i think you could also read in as this sort of being like a puberty story right and about like the fear of being bullied over puberty and like all this stuff and it's also about like his first love and martha and being being ridiculed about it um and it 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 puts him you know up on the mountain and (laughs) as this curmudgeon um i don't know i mean there's it, it works pretty well. I, I don't know that the Grinch needs all that backstory, but if you're going to make a two hour movie, like you're going to have to do it. That's kind of where you got, it makes sense to go. Right. So it was fine. Um, the movie overall was pretty fun you know with with the i like the pipe that they would all hop in to like somehow go up the mountain and but it was they always made sure to show them having like a great time yes otherwise it was like it seemed like it wouldn't be fun yeah
1: the dog was doing it at one point i'm like how are we gonna like i I kept thinking like is this gonna cross the line and i was always like just close enough to where i'm like i was like oh
0: speaking of the dog was super fucking cute
1: yes yeah and there was a there was a one point where he does do the whip
0: Um, when he's like at his worst, right? When he's stolen all the gifts and he's going up the mountain. But for the most part, he treated the dog a lot better. And I, I, I loved Max here. I love that they used a real dog. I thought they got a lot of good stuff out of this dog, which I know they can be very hard to, to work with on set. Um, it looked like maybe they added some fake ears. I wasn't sure. Um, but man, that single horn, uh, and the little red nose, Looks super good. cute. I yeah. want to put that one of those on my dog
1: now. Yeah. Very cute. Tie it with some red string. <laughs> uh, apparently that they were going to, they were thought about doing a CG dog and like for 2001, yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't have, wouldn't have looked great. So,
0: well, there was a moment of CG when the, when the dog's eyes popped real big when it put its ass on the neighbor, mayor's yeah, face or yeah. whatever. <laughs> Jesus. Fucking
1: weird movie. Weird.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it though. I don't know. It was it was enjoyable. What yeah. can I say? Even though even though it was something else, it did feel like the movie um, begrudgingly ended the way it did. It really felt like this version of the Grinch did not want to come around.
1: Really? Did you get that sense? I I always felt like the moment when he flipped, like cause he cares about Cindy Lou. He doesn't give a shit about anybody else. Like he clearly cares about her, and I think that that's what I got. But whereas like you know, he comes to like everybody in the other versions. Uh, in this version, I think like he saved Cindy Lou and then was like, "I guess I got to roll with it."
0: Yeah, he's still a stinker at the end, you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, which they make clear, and I think that's their way of doing it. He did. He does early on in the movie get kind of meta, where he says something about like, um, you know, it can't end with people coming to love Christmas. That's too cliche or something. Like he has a line like that, right? So again, it's that fourth wall breaking. It's self referential because we know that that's where the story's going. Um, and then at the end, it was kind of resistant. Interesting enough, I, I read that Doctor Seuss uh, said that that was the thing he struggled with the most. Actually, was that he felt like the ending was kind of trite, and so he worked a lot at like trying to earn it. Um, but he that was the he said it. otherwise. He wrote the story; it was like the fastest story he ever wrote. But then the ending he struggled with because he felt like it was a little overly trite. Anyway, and I think the movie the movie might feel the same yeah, way. I was going to
1: say to avoid this episode seeming a little trite, let's uh, <laughs> get our final <laughs> thoughts in. Do you have anything else you want to say about the 2000 film or or I guess Dr. Seuss in general?
0: Well, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but Dr. Seuss is not a doctor. He uh took it on as his pen name when he was in college. He wrote for uh, like a he wrote humorous stuff I think for the paper, for like a college paper. And then um I think it was banned and he went on to ins- continue to publish uh, in it as his pseudonym Dr. Seuss. Um, he did try and get a PhD, but I think he dropped out of the PhD program. But yeah, um, and apparently people have theorized that this may have inspired people like Dr. Dre to, to, to <laughs> nice. adapt that moniker. I don't know if that's true. I at don't all. know. Yeah, <laughs> but that, I saw that out there. <laughs> but yeah, I don't have anything else for for the movie. Um, I do want to, you know, wish everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. Uh, we do. We're going to be enjoying ourselves down in Florida. Hopefully having a good time. Um, we hope everybody does as well. Um, you know, let's, I'm going to just shout out all of our patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you guys all for supporting us this year. We'll 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 talk more on the, our last looks episode, but um, we really appreciate the, the ongoing support. If you want to get access to that Watchmen episode that's coming out, just go to patreoncom film. You can find all of our p- former bonus content. I think we're like getting close to 20 now um, bonus episodes out there covering a variety of topics. Um, and, you know, that would be a nice little Christmas present for yourself and for us. You know, so
1: we'd love to we'd love to get a few more patrons before the year's out. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you to all of our patrons. Seriously, that the, you guys are the best. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. All of those adding to film and join the Council of Inklings because we post polls like this one for the Grinch that we posted. Yeah. Uh, the people in the group basically decided that we would be covering the 2000 film Uh, We also post news about upcoming adaptations or anything else we see. So definitely check that place out.
0: Yeah, and leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast, podcatcher, I don't know whatever you call it, you know, whatever app you use, if you have the ability to leave a rating review, we appreciate that. Um, They help us get the word out, which, um, again, is one of our biggest
1: struggles as a smaller podcast is just getting people to know about us. Yeah. Thank you to Jennifer Delazano for providing our transcripts. And that's going to be it for this episode. It was fun covering the Grinch uh kind of nostalgic absolutely. looking forward to the last looks episode we're gonna be covering that next week we're gonna talk about everything we've covered up to this point the whole year yeah best things worst things all kinds of things uh yeah i'm really absolutely. looking forward to it
0: yeah me too man and uh those those kind of relaxed fit episodes are very fun uh you know easier for us to produce and i think a lot of fun hopefully everybody enjoys it as much as we do making it so yeah look for that at the end of the year uh but until next time